has been made 2024. Very impressive. And on top of that, of course, this is the first perfect game since 2012. Felix Hernandez against Tampa. Domingo Herman, perfect in Oakland last night. Absolutely wild, too. I mean, the A's, as bad as they've been, they picked it up a little bit and a perfect game. No easy task. All the credit in the world to him and the Yankees overall. The defense played well behind him. Kyle Higashioka behind the plate, calling a very solid game last night. 27 up, 27 down for Herman. An unfathomable feat. You can tell, you can tell me. Just a little bit. Yeah, it's been a rough stretch for my Mets. Um, no signs of it really getting any better, but we'll see. Hopefully, they can turn it around pretty soon. We'll definitely get to that, though, a little bit later on. Again, just chills as you're watching those last three outs. You're hoping, please, God, make the plays. Don't make any errors. And... Wow, that's all I could say. <laughs> that last, last play by Donaldson was not as easy as it made it look. That was a one hopper. If he was any bit more towards the foul line, that's into left field. On top of that, Ruiz didn't even hit that lightly. That was a bullet of a of a uh, piece there. So, and at that point, Winslow just has to catch it. Can't look, but you would think that's simple. They do it nine hundred ninety nine out of a thousand times, but. That ball is coming in. He doesn't want to drop it. You're thinking too much. He closes his glove half a second too soon. That ball drops right in front of him. We've seen stuff like that happen all the time. And but nothing more will be said about Herman's dominance all year long. Had a little bit of a struggle last couple outings. And 
we didn't know if he was going to keep his rotation spot or Cortez when Rodon comes back because he really wasn't supposed to be in the rotation at the beginning of the year. Rodon gets hurt, and then everybody else is in and out of the rotation. Sabrino is out for a bit of time, but I think he just secured his spot for at least until the trade deadline. Was supposed to get everybody out the and how Rodon looks, but. Why, why look that much forward? Just be excited about what's happening now. This could be a turnaround for the Yankee season. As, as much as to say, they still had a playoff spot. They were tied for second place in the wild card with two other teams. But they were obviously not competing as great as they were. Obviously, the Rays are killing it right now. Still third place in the A, at least. But they've been able to take all the obstacles and just have a pretty, pretty good year. I think they're going to be the part of things we get. Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, managing with what he has. Uh, Obviously, we know the Yankees' injuries. We'll get into that as we continue on. But, I mean, again, just this team was slumping, and they need a spark to get out of it, like you were saying. Herman, Herman's perfect game could be very, very well be the catalyst that starts this. So, Yeah, that, especially something that rarely happens in the whole history of the MLB, something special like this could – really turn this season around. Obviously, it, it could be worse for the Yankees coming into this game. Still a lot of work to be done as well, despite the perfect game. You don't want to get too caught up in the moment now moving forward. There's still a lot of work to be done, but this could be something that can get light a fire underneath this team and really get them going. And just quickly back to Herman, you mentioned briefly, Andrew, his struggles the last few games. June 16th at the Red Sox, he only went two innings. His last start against the Mariners, only three in the third. And then to go from that to his next start being a perfect game is really unbelievable. What I can't believe is he was actually throwing warm-up pitches in the bullpen throughout the fifth inning. And that can really only happen in Oakland because it's one of the few stadiums left that has the bullpen all the way around. And he may or may not have done that. But that's probably something that you don't see often. I don't see with Cohen. It was interesting that he did that, and it was not, no one was thinking about it really in the fifth. But if he doesn't do that, or if they're not in Oakland, if it's not a midnight game, Eastern time, a lot of people really missed and went to sleep. And that's just crazy to think about that. One of those things that happens never you're thinking, oh, they lost to the A's the night prior. Why am I going to bother watching this team? How do you lose to the A's? A lot of people missed out. And I saw a statistic uh, this morning. Obviously, like I said before, still a long way to go. But the F Yankees have four perfect games. The season result for the Yankees in the first three, they have won the World Series. So I don't know what to make of that. But uh, obviously, still a long way to go. But could this be, like you mentioned, Anthony, a possible catalyst in turning this season around? I mean, we'll we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. That's all we can do. Thank you, David, for joining us. Good morning to you. And this is the Santa Maria Baseball Podcast. We've been streaming all the way to the student webstation of LIU on and off for about two years now. We took a little bit of a hiatus, but talking to our executive producers, we decided to bring back simulcasting here both on the wave here on Review and Preview. This is our first official episode back. back. And we're, we're excited, excited to see where this goes. goes. Yeah, I mean, opportunity galore, right? Can't wait 100%. to see where it goes. And yeah, I'm, I'm new. this is my first time on this specific show, so thank you guys and 
everyone at Review and Preview for giving me this opportunity to, to talk baseball with you guys. I'm really excited. Well, Ryan, Ryan couldn't make it today, man. You know me and Anthony can't go a day without roasting a Mets fan on this show. No, it yeah. just doesn't work. Oh, so that's, that's, that's how it is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that eventually, though, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> still third in the AL East, but again, the AL East, by far, best division of baseball. Boston's only one game under 500, but they were above 500 for a while. And I've talked a lot about this on the Sports Shark Tank, which is a show we do on the FM radio station here at LIU. You're going to see these extreme shifts. We're going to talk about the AL section towards the end, towards the end of the show. But in past years, you had to play teams in your division 15 times a year. Now it's 13, and they play everybody in the majors at least once for a three-game series, which makes sense. Because now you have the universal DH. There's no need to kind of have the... AL NL separation that you've had for the longest time. Obviously, it's gotten better in the past 10 to 20 years, even when they started into the play on a weekly basis. But now that you play every team, you have the AL East, which is very dominant, and they're eating a show in the numbers because they're not playing each other as much. And the AL Central, they're not playing each other as much as they used to. So a team a like Boston would probably have a much more record than Cleveland if in years past, because you would say, well, now they're playing each team less, so you're, so you're playing, playing the dominant teams and your division less for Boston and the other way around in the AL Central, and it goes to show how teams perform under a natural arm. And also creates a more balanced schedule, I believe, too, because now you're getting a look at every single pitching staff in the majors. You're being able to uh, – your scouts are being able to see, okay, um, how do you attack certain guys in their lineups or – Vice versa, how do you go after um, the certain pitchers with the pitching? So it's a very interesting um, dynamic, and I think it's very good for the game that we have this balanced schedule. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's not really that, you know, excuse perhaps in years past where you could say, oh, this team, you know, played some easier teams. This team maybe played some harder teams, a harder schedule. Now you get to see everyone different levels of competition throughout the league. And it really makes it fair for everyone. Obviously, different times in the season, you know, you could be really hot during one stretch and playing some bad teams. Kind of like when the Rays won 13 straight to start the season, they didn't have necessarily the toughest competition, but they, you still got to play the games. And playing every team, I think, definitely makes it more interesting and more fair for everyone. So, Brady, I want to talk to you about the Mets a little bit. Obviously, Billy Epler, Steve Cohen, is walking around. He's trying to address a lot of the issues that have happened. They didn't really have any answers. It's all been kind of... I'm not going to say nonchalant, but they've, they've just been kind of rushing everything along that has hold of them. And it, it makes you wonder, do you think Steve Cohen is the right guy to run this team? Obviously, he's a team. He wants to spend the money. But he's throwing money, money at Ross. The answer, answer, or do you really need to build something from the ground up? And I know that they're going to run. I know a lot of the guys are going to be untouchable, like they haven't been. But if the Mets get to a point where they have to be sellers, that's going to be a very, very bad look. Yeah, and... A lot of people were extremely high on the Mets coming into this year. I, I had a feeling it might not be quite the same as, as last year, but obviously I didn't think it would be uh, at this point this bad. Um, despite, you know, obviously early on they had a few injuries, but they managed it pretty well, and they've gotten most of the guys back, and it's just been a struggle 
when, when one thing, when the offense kind of over the last week or so, uh, maybe like two weeks ago, was actually kind of producing. The pitching was terrible. Then, you know, you get a good start from a pitcher, and the offense is just not there. And really, and often nights too, everything's just going wrong. So, yeah, and obviously it took a while to finally have Eppler and come and speak. It's, it's good overall, obviously, the fans wanted the answers. Um, they did kind of have that natural feel, like you were saying, which a lot of us, especially New Yorkers and Mets fans, definitely want more action to be taken. For me, it's, it's kind of tough. We're in, like, a tough spot right now. Um, you know, you're still in June. You're still – not early on this season, but there's still a lot of um, baseball left to be played after tonight will actually be the halfway point for the Mets. So this is kind of really where you guys uh, turn it around and the deadline approaching, like you said, Andrew, they, they got to turn it around quickly to at least, you know, make a run to hopefully get into the playoffs at the very least. But uh, yeah, it's not looking like a very fruitful season for the Mets, kind of disastrous when you look at the expectations. Thank you, Garth, for joining us. And the Braves doing very well. We'll talk about them, too. You can leave whatever comments you want to read. Whatever you want to say is all open to hearing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Braves, uh, I didn't really expect much less from them. Obviously, I'm, I'm hoping for them to struggle. I mean, I, I don't think the Mets are catching them. But, um, yeah, I... Didn't, didn't really expect, expect much less from them. Uh, all the guys that were playing well for them last year have stepped, stepped it up big time again, and they're they're a real juggernaut in the National League and really overall in the MLB right now. And it's really it's tough, tough to be in the same division as them. They're tied with the Rays right now for the best team in baseball. Rays obviously they had that tremendous start. You know, that was they're actually four and six in their last ten. Which is good. The Yankees have been struggling too, so they've been able to stay relatively where they are in the standings. I, I, I don't think, think you need the division title if you're the Yankees. If you can get a first or second wild card spot, because even then, with um, the AL Central teams being much worse than the wild card teams that are currently in, if you have to play in the first round, that's not the worst thing in the world. Because as long as you beat whether it's going to be Minnesota, most likely right now we will get to first. But this is not a bad year to be a wild card team. Looking at the AL Central because they're still, still going to be the high seed, even though they are a much worse team. Yeah, I mean, especially with how the uh, playoff format is now. Obviously, you have the three wild card teams and the three division winners that play, and the top two get that by. Honestly, as long as you get in, and anything can happen. We saw it last year with the Phillies, for example. They made it in the last wild card for the National League, and they went all the way to World Series. Did they win? No, but, but they made a heck of a run. And they showed that, you know what, as long as you get in there and if you're playing hot, you can do really well. Yeah, and right now, like you were mentioning, the wild card teams in the American League are all three of the second, third, and fourth place American League East teams. So if they continue to roll the way they've been playing, obviously teams like Houston and L.A. aren't too far behind, but the AL East is really a juggernaut. I mean, the Orioles, we kind of – Saw them beginning to turn it around the last few seasons, but they've really become a tough team this year. And if they can really keep up how they've been playing come playoff time, if they're in the spot, I I don't see them being a tough out for sure, despite the seeding. 
And this goes for a Baltimore team yeah. that obviously they're being led by young people behind the plate, Adley Rutchinson. Yeah, I mean, Adley's carried this team. Um, they've gotten some really good contri uh, contributions from their rotation as well. Um, Kyle Gibson, for example, has been a lot better than we thought he would be with Baltimore. And um, Cano and Bautista towards the back end have also really been locked down for Baltimore. So, I mean, look, again, I'm a Yankee fan, but it's been a joy to see um, the young guns in Baltimore really uh, succeed. Yeah, and they still have Cedric Mullins, who is one of those under the radar, maybe not so much the last few years, but guys who can really step up in – you know, in the clutch and, and play big when these games are kind of on the line. And they're really an underrated team, still fairly young, but they, they show that they can compete. And I think with a few more pieces, maybe in the next few years, they, they can definitely be a serious contender. And more young guns that are dominating the sport. We got ahead to the NL Central, the leading Cincinnati Reds. They won on a 12-game win streak. Their first, first place in the Central City, which was projected to be by far the best teams in the last. I don't think they're necessarily even out of it yet because if you look at the NL Central, every, every team, team has had great runs and terrible runs. And so I think it's going to come down to who is the better team at the end of the year, who's going to be more consistent. I'm, I'm not, not saying St. Louis is going to win, but I think counting them out is way too far to say. Because we've seen Pittsburgh fall off the face of the earth after being great. They were probably one of the better teams with St. Louis heading into the year. But L.A. De La Cruz had a cycle in his 12th major league game. He hits the ball hard on everyone. Everyone was talking about O'Neill Cruz coming into this year. And there, and then he gets hurt. I think L.A. De La Cruz does everything O'Neill Cruz. L.A. De La Cruz does everything that O'Neill Cruz does. But even better, he throws harder from short. They're relatively the same height. Same athleticism. He's relatively the same amount of power. And the one problem with O'Neal Cruz is that he didn't really have a lot of contact. He didn't really walk much. He was not, not corner or nothing at the plate, but he was trying to hit the ball hard every time. And Ellie Taylor Cruz will just find the gaps. He, he will find the holes, and he's got better speed. I mean, right now he's sitting at a 301 batting average, three home runs, 11 RBIs. I mean, one of the young phenoms of this game to come. And our own resident um, – Ryan Botcher, big O'Neill Cruz fan, so I'm sure he's not exactly enjoying Cruz's uh, <laughs> production right now. If anything, I believe he's still hurt, right? But, yeah, I mean, De La Cruz pulling it together for the Reds. And with the division, I feel like it's wide open, like you were saying. Like, no one's out of it. Like, sure, you'll get the Cardinals in my back right now, 33 and But that was with an atrocious April. Exactly. Goldschmidt was doing relatively what you'd expect, but Arenado had one of the worst months of his career. And he's the he's the best player on that team outside of Goldschmidt, probably. You can make the argument he's probably even better. Than I think Arenado is potentially better when he's at his best, but Goldschmidt's going to be more consistent. But Arenado's on pace to win another platinum glove club, trying to get his straight. He's won the world every year of his career. And his numbers are right there with now his career averages because he's had an incredible May, May and June so far. And that's what's led St. Louis to even just staying in the pack despite where they were at the end of April. It's it's, it's really, really unbelievable this division though, because we haven't even talked about the Cubs yet. They're kind of one of those teams that's just sitting right in the middle. And they're they're arguably, I guess, the least flashiest to some extent of the teams in the division, but they're right there with the other ones as well. But like you were saying, St. Louis, I think it's way too early to count them out just yet. 
Uh, I still think it's kind of crazy how looking at the wild card standings are behind the Mets. Uh, it's crazy to think any team would be behind the Mets, but I, I expect Brewers to probably start to find the Brewers soon. They're, they're too good um, on paper, and, and even you know from what we've seen at their best for this season to be that low. And Ellie De La Cruz as well, 25 hits through 83 at bats so far is, is pretty wild for a youngster that got called up kind of so suddenly with a win streak and a few injuries for the Reds, but he's really stepped up to the occasion as well. And if it wasn't for Corbin Carroll, you could say Ellie De La Cruz could be in that running for NL Rookie of the Year despite coming up so late, even though he's very small sample size. But Corbin Carroll was signed to an eight-year, $111 million deal after a playing 36 games in his whole major league career last year. What are the Diamondbacks doing? Well, they're in first place, and he's now an MVP candidate. And I mean, guys producing, like I said, this could be the first time possibly since each row that we've seen a player win not only rookie of the year, but MVP at the same time. And exactly. a guy who is in the running for that, Tom Scavetta mentioned in our comments, Luis Arise of the Miami Marlins batting 396, which I'm a batting average hater. Anyone who knows me, I'm an analytics guy. I'm going to look at OPS even when I call games. If I was doing that while you games, I refer to OPS every time. I, I, I almost never mention batting average. But in an anomaly like this, 65 points above Ronald Jr. the best in baseball, you, you got to talk about it. Yes, is batting average the best stat? No, I'm an OPS guy. But despite only having two home runs on the year, he still has an OPS of 937, which is fourth in baseball. And that not just shows what consistency. You're just putting the dial on the ball. Yeah, and it's uh, ridiculous. Of course, he's in the same division as the Mets. Just leave it, <laughs> leave it to that. And the Marlins have had a, a pretty good year. I expected them to be pretty good. Not quite this good, but Luis Arias has really been the catalyst for it. A 114 hits already, scored 36 runs, and yeah, I mean he only has three home runs, one triple, and not too many doubles 16 but and uh, you know a lot of the jokes have been you know he's he's really just a singles guy but when you do it at yeah that rate, as far as that goes it, it's ridiculous i mean he, he gets on base so often and that's really has been a kickstarter for this marlins team along with guys like Soler and garrett cooper and Jess chisholm being on this team the marlins are another team Kind of like the Orioles, where I don't know if I'd want to play them. They would not be a an easy opponent by any stretch, um, especially come playoff time if they continue to play like this. And they're especially outperforming what any of our expectations were. Because if you remember in the winter when we were seeing that trade uh, arise for, I believe it was Pablo Lopez, we were kind of scratching our heads because we knew Lopez is obviously a great pitcher. But, and we knew Arise was good at that point, but we didn't know it was going to be this good coming in. But look at the Marlins, 47 and 34, 13 games over 500. I mean, that's the definition of just performing better than you thought. The NL MVP race is much tighter than the AL MVP race. We'll get to that in a little bit. There's a lot of guys on the NL side who are making a run. We talked about Corbin Carroll, the rookie on the Diamondbacks, Luis Arise with that batting average. And I want to use an example here. So I'm a Yankees fan. Everyone talks about IKF in a great light. I don't, I don't think he's that productive. Yes, he hits about 260. Everyone will be like, he's a singles hitter. I hate that term. He's a singles hitter. 
but there's a huge difference between 260 and 390. So when you say someone's a singles hitter, if they're not batting 350, I don't want to hear it. This is the one exception we're all here. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of guys really deserving of it. I feel like you could look at Arise. You know, his batting, his average, all that. You can look at certain stats for Carroll and some of these other guys, but I, I, feel, I feel like, like it's, it's really, really tough. tough. All these guys are really playing at the top of the, their game this year. It might become a little bit easier to tell, you know, come come towards the end of the season. But as of right now, I feel like it's really as tight as can be in the in the National League, at, at least. Obviously, you mentioned the American League. It, I won't quite call it a runaway, but I, I think we all kind of – know who the favorite is for that one. Oh, yeah. By a long shot, if anything. <laughs> and he doesn't even have a pitch. His offense alone is MVP right now. Shelly Otani of Los Angeles Angels has a 10.48 OPS, by far the best in baseball, almost 50 points above Ronald Acuna Jr. When you look at the just, just AL alone, he's 120 points above Diaz as the race, which is, is a crazy difference. First, First in baseball home runs, are second in RBIs in the American League, hitting over 300 by far the best of his career. He steals bases, too. Oh, oh by the way, he's a top 10 pitcher in the American League. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his stats, um, like you were saying with pitching, I mean, he's 7-3 and three with 302 ERA and 95 and a third innings pitch, struck out 127 batters, and then on the bang side, bang 309 with the league leading 28 home runs and 64 RBIs. Oh, and he has 11 stolen bases. Guy's got a little bit of wheels that we don't really talk about as much. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. Let's go, Yankees. And any questions you have for us regarding the administrative side, the players' side, definitely and Anthony will get to it. But on the American League side, Shane McClanahan's been pitching tremendously. Best ERA in the American League, but Joey Tony last year showed he could be a young candidate too. He didn't win it, obviously. He didn't win MVP. Because Judge hit 62, Judge was last year. So I understand why it was really close last year, despite Judge breaking the record. One of the longest records in the modern era of baseball of 61 and 61 by Roger Maris. But you could say Otani took a load of a downturn pitching this year. He had a couple bad starts, but when he's on, he's a dominant shutout level pitcher. And his offense just feels like it gets better and better every year. What is, what is his ceiling? That's what I want. Is there one? I, I don't know. It seems like every year we, we think we see that all or just about, and then he goes out and does this this year. I It'll be interesting to see what he does next year, possibly with a different team uh, set to become a free agent, possibly talks of maybe him being dealt at the deadline, especially with the season he's having. And on the pitching side, his opponents only have a 180 average. Which is best in baseball. It, it's, it's unbelievable. And then to be able – to do what he's doing, hitting and on the base pass. I, I, there's really no words to describe what we are seeing this season and throughout his young career so far. And to tell you, uh, to not even tell you, to show you how good he's been on the hitting side as well. His last 15 games and 57 at-bats, he's got 23 hits, 10 home runs, 18 RBIs, and he's batting 404. Absolutely insane. In his last start, he got the win. He pitched six in the third innings, only gave up one run, which, by the way, he wasn't on the mound. It was an inherited runner. Only gave up four hits, struck out ten. And, by the way, reached basically four times in that two home runs. 
He's the first player to reach base safely four times, hit two homers, and strike out 10 in the same game since 1890. And he's only the sixth player in MLB history to strike out 10 and have two home runs since 1890. It's, it's video game numbers. It's And the first in the American League since, since the DH. It's just, again, video game numbers. It's ridiculous. And yet it's crazy to think with what he's doing and what – with what Trout's doing, obviously Trout hasn't necessarily had as great of a year as in years past, but he's still having a, a, a great season for the Angels. It's still crazy to think you see like these these memes and stats all the time about how like Mike Trout did this, Shohei Otani did all of this, and the Angels still lost. Yeah, they they are having a better season for sure. Obviously, last year it was like every night these guys would go off and they'd still find their way to lose the game. Not quite as much this year as they're finding some production from some other guys as well. But with Otani and Trout leading that team, if they can get on a roll and, and start winning more games, they could be another one of those teams where, especially if Otani and Trout are playing the, the way we know they're capable of, they, they could really be a team I would not want to see come September and possibly October. Thomas Gavetta, who brought through the preview, our executive producer, set up this broadcast, says that Max Scherzer is possibly wanting to waive his no trade for Brandon Blaine. What do you think? Well, actually, he's he's pitching tonight. He's probably our best starter this season, even with his struggles. You know, some games, the game against the Yankees, he, he started off really great and then just one bad inning basically lost us the game, um, although the offense is really in late innings. They've, they've struggled. But uh, as far as this goes, I I don't completely blame them the way the, way the team performs. Um, it, I, I just can't believe it. it's come to this. The team is basically, I hate to say it, but you know, for lack of a better term, a dumpster fire this season with everything going on, what could go wrong is basically going wrong for them right now. And I, I like Max Scherzer. Obviously, he's been on the older side. I like his competitiveness. And, you know, when when he's on, he is definitely one of the toughest pitchers to face. I don't completely blame him. And the only thing is, you know, what what are we going to get back for him at this point in his career? Because while he's been pretty good this year, he, you know, he's left – you know, a bit to be desired as well in some of the sports. So can we get the, the best or the max of what we want in return for him? It's kind of, you know, a tough call at, at this season, especially with how the, the Mets have been playing. And, you know, how Scherzer's been pitching, you know, he could be on one night and, you know, really be on the next for even an inning or so. And then could, you know, arguably, there's other factors that, Come in, of course, but you know, arguably the one bad inning could cost uh, the Mets the game, and it, it's really a situation we put in this year with kind of an unexpected season for the Mets. Yeah, I think it kind of comes down to whether or not um, how we detailed earlier whether or not the Mets are able to pull this thing back together. Because I think, if anything, if a decision is going to be made, you're going to see it come deadline if not a day or two before it. but well, I think it makes sense for Max, too, because he has a three-year deal, two he has an option after this year. So it doesn't, if the Mets don't make the playoffs, he's probably not going back for next year. 
And so it would make sense for both sides for, again, again the, the, this is not what the want to do. If they're sellers by the deadline, that would be a terrible, terrible look. Even if they're on the fence, they should at least make the approach that they are buyers. It, 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 would, it would, the ability to stick by at least for the end of the year to hold on would be better than living it up in August. That's, that's where, where they feel they are. are sure he doesn't plan to sign back. Get something for him and let him walk. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, at this point, I don't blame him for not wanting to come here. But I, I need Shohei Otani on his team. Although knowing knowing the Mets and how you know they're they're cursed to some extent, Otani would probably come here and, and get hurt immediately, or probably you know, have like his worst season of his career. Um, but no, yeah, in all seriousness, Siri. Business. Um, Max Scherzer, I I agree with what you guys were saying. Um, you know, I, I'd like to have him on this team, but you know, if it comes down to it, test the waters and see if you could get something back for him that could you know help this team get better and, and maybe win in the future, while also maybe giving him a chance to win, um, you know, elsewhere. If you asked me before the season started, I would have said, "There's, there's." I'm not, I'm not saying Otani goes to the Mets, but I would guarantee you that Steve Cohen is not going to get outbidded by anybody. Oh, he he better. He doesn't sound like he's all in anymore. He didn't really answer Otani question specifically, but but reporters were asking him about his earlier comments of money's not an option. And I think he's going to want to take a step back with, with the way this year has downturned. And it couldn't come at a worse time. But I would have said in April, if he offers him $500 million and if Otani wants to go somewhere for less, that's what he does. Otani makes hundreds of millions in endorsements anyway. So I don't even know how much $100 billion in, in over the course of nine years makes a difference. He's going to go to the team he wants to go to. Yeah, that's why, like you were saying, it's the worst possible season as far as that goes to be playing the way we're playing. And you look on paper, it's not a terrible team, although the, another thing that, that kind of annoys me is when we kind of call up these guys and the, these relief pitchers and in these tight games, especially now, must win, basically. And we're throwing these guys in like, with runners in scoring position, and then they end up giving up a few runs like last night. And, and then that affects ERA. Yeah, exactly. It kind of affects the, the starters' ERA sometimes, and the offense can't recover, which I another thing last night was like fourth or fifth inning. We had bases loaded, nobody out, and we only scored one run to tie the game at that point. And of course, we end up losing by three, and the Brewers, you know, tack on like the seventh or eighth inning, a few um, insurance runs, and uh, that's all she wrote. And that's how it's really been for the last few weeks. And you know, people make the jokes all the time that you know Mets gonna, Mets are gonna met, but I just at what point does this thing really change? It just feels like the franchise has been cursed for the better part of. Uh, really, this century, I guess, with the exception for a few years. I want to go back to the perfect game by Jimmy Lawan for a second because I think this could have come for baseball in a more perfect time. The NHL, NHL season's over, the NBA season's over, the NBA draft was last week, free agency doesn't start till this weekend. There really wasn't such an NHL news. So, so in, in terms, terms of national sports media, obviously the local media is going to talk about it, but 
from a national standpoint, I think this is her game would have gotten more is getting more coverage than it could have if it happened at any other point throughout this season, except maybe like the World Series. And then, and then you have every, every other sport, sport coming on in October. October. So even despite it being a perfect game in the World Series, I hypothetically think it would get more coverage today than it would even then. I mean, I do agree there. Um, again, perfect game is a great feat to have, but I feel like also uh, circling back to what we were saying earlier, like if it wasn't a late night West Coast game, if it was on the East Coast or heck even in the Central, it would be getting a lot more attention now that it is. But yeah, like you were saying, they also came at a really good time. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing really going on last night was the NHL draft, but I'd say, you know, for sure, baseball is still the more popular of those two sports, and it was a perfect game, which has only happened now 24 times in the history of the sport. So I, I agree with that sentiment, though. If it happened, you know, at another point in the season, it, it might not get as much coverage, but it definitely should because of how rare these feats are. And, you know, even the World Series, you know, football is full swing and hockey and basketball are both starting, but absolutely well-deserved. And like I said before, the, they didn't have to make too many incredible plays, especially in the final innings. It's like you said, her mom was working quickly and that, that ninth inning flew by. But the defense really for perfect games and no hitters deserves a lot of credit as well. Um, because when there are tough plays, they they have to be made. And really, especially in the later innings, some of these guys will throw their bodies on the line to, to make a play to keep this thing going. And the catcher almost deserves as much credit as the pitcher in these situations for calling the game. And Kyle Higashioka, big props to him for, for being a, a big part of it as well and helping Herman get, get through those final innings down the stretch. You also got to look at. Have to worry about the offense, unlike some other yeah. teams. You also got to look at Rizzo too. I mean, um, that great uh, diving stop in the fifth. I mean, everyone's going to look back at that now. Um, also, a couple good plays by Donaldson and Rizzo scooping as well. So, yeah, don't look at those. I mean, who knows? And it just keep going to show what a perfect game really means because it, it never happens. Very many games do in all this time, it was just so unexpected. You think they get someone, you don't want to say it's a lot, but the best pitchers never accomplish things like that. And no, no hitters seem to happen a lot, but perfect games are rare, they usually only happen with star level pitchers. Yeah, great, yeah, especially looking at you know how Herman's last few games have gone. It's Absolutely wild how he's gone from you know pitching two, three innings and struggling and getting booed off the field by by Yankee fans as as the Mariners poured it on against him to now throwing a perfect game. And a lot of people will say, well, it was against the A's, but it's still a major league baseball team. Getting twenty seven outs in a row on twenty seven major league hitters is no easy task. The yes broadcast kept it from the top of the ninth to the bottom of the ninth. And it looked like he was treating his warm-up pitchers like a regular bullpen. He didn't look tense at all. He was just kind of catching and chewing and He didn't even have like four windups on his warm-ups heading into the inning. You know, it looked like he was having fun out there on the mound, if anything. But, I mean, hey, again, props to him. Yeah, no, I'm sure you have fans. Obviously, it, it's not quite necessarily like a World Series or a playoff game. You're probably still very nervous that, you know, chance to be a part of history here. 
with this. But yeah, he stayed really confident. Yeah, he was working, working really quickly through the, the hitters. Got the other few like um, soft hit pop ups and ground balls too. There was never a point in time where it's like you have to worry. Oh, is he gonna keep going? Is he gonna take it out? He was. There was never a point in the game where it's like he might not be able to go the whole way, even if he has it. I remember the Kershaw situation. I, I was furious about the Kershaw situation because I get it if it's a young guy, maybe his first or second year start, you don't want to run the guy three extra innings. You want to play it safe. Kershaw has accomplished everything he could, could in, in his career except pitch a turbo pain. And Dave Roberts took him out every seven innings. You're really going to ruin his chance at that over two innings. What, what was there for him to do? Not much. If anything, I mean, again, how he was pitching as of late, just heck of a feat. Yeah, and some of these guys, you know, you see when these guys get pulled, even not in no-hitter perfect game situations, and they're, they're not happy with their manager for being pulled if they're having an incredible game. But so, some of these guys, like this comment from Brett, for the love of the game, they, they're going to keep throwing some of their own falls off if they, if they really got it that night. And, Obviously, Obviously, in the end, I guess it, it does come down, down to the, the manager, manager what, what all the, the, the coaches and the manager decides. But the, that, that crucial situation is really tough in her mind. Obviously, didn't have to worry about it too much because he, he was working really quickly and getting getting some pretty quick outs. And Only two or three more. Yeah, 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 it all worked for him. And I saw the home plate umpire. There was only one um, – Ball that was called a strike throughout the whole night when her mom was on the mound, and it didn't really affect too much. I believe it was to Shane Langaweers pretty early on in the game, and he ended up popping out, so it didn't really matter as far as the walk or anything was concerned. But he was finding the zone, and a lot of the umpires have been getting heat recently. But that higher scorecards is the greatest thing ever invented. <laughs> yeah, that's where I saw that, and yeah, I, he was finding the zone, and he was getting the calls too, as he as he showed when with how I was pitching, and he, he was just on it all night, really. Yeah. And then also just circling back to the whole Mets thing with Steve Cohen as well, because you know, to continue to make Brady feel welcomed here at the show. <laughs> Cohen was asked recently about, um, you know, how the team's uh, uh, going to be playing going forward. And he quotes, I'm preparing my management team for all possibilities. If we don't get better, we have decisions to make at the trade deadline. That's not my preferred end result. I'm preparing all contingencies. It's on the players. And I, I agree with him 100%. There's been a lot of calls, too, to, to fire Buckshaw Walter to do, you know, shake up the kind of the coaching and the manager situation. I personally like Buck. I mean, I there's definitely been some decisions, whether it's you know going to the bullpen at certain times or the lineups that I don't quite agree with. But I, I don't quite think after the year we had last year with him that it, we could just get rid of him that quickly per se. I, I know it's a complete 180 from last year, but I and no offense to Tommy Pham. But I was not expecting him to be arguably our best in this stretch. And he's, I, he's kind of gone underrated. He's been really roping the ball for this team as of late. And he hasn't gotten much help. So almost rushed back from injury. I don't think it's quite the injury that's been the problem coming back from so soon. But he really hasn't had it since he's come back 
Lindor has as bad as he's looked is probably going to be in the All Star game and somewhat rightly so from Alonso's bodies right up there with the leaders in RBIs and all that as is Alonso. But really lately they've had their struggles and you know, Nemo, Cannon, even Beatty to some extent falling. Well, it's very similar with the Yankees. As soon as Judge and Alonso got hurt, the offense is tanked. And everybody started overperforming. The Yankees having his worst season at the Yankees. Donaldson having his worst season at the Yankees. Has not been as productive. Everybody in that lineup has an OPS It's been Billy McKinney in his small sample size, and then Jake Bowers a little bit inconsistently, who's producing offensively. It really wasn't until last night in the offense. He did not. Torres has been better in the past couple years, but he's still not at his peak, from I believe. Stain has an OPS of a 6670. Bader had a great start. He's down to 736. And so IKF 643, I really don't think he really is that much better. A lot of people think this is a great thing. I, I, I haven't seen it from day one. He had a minor stretch in April where he had a decent average, but I really didn't expect more than him here for 246 a week. Yeah, and it's kind of been, I'm not going to say identical because one team has kept their head afloat. Well, there was a whole Yeah. Yeah, offensively, those teams have been almost the same for the past six Yeah, the offensive has has been pretty similar. For the Mets, too, they traded them one Escobar last week, and he was starting, obviously, early on in the season. He was not good, but he was starting to finally pick it up. He was kind of up there with maybe some of our best hitters at the time of the trade. Marte. You know, he had an injury early on the season. He has an injury back, picked it up for like one series, and we all got excited. And now he's not doing great again. And, yeah, it's really been bam and night in, night out, really. You know, every night it's like, well, who, who in the clubhouse is going to step up and get maybe a big hit today? And they, they, are, they didn't win a series this month. You know, at best they can they can even up and split with the Brewers tonight. But every time they win as well, it's okay. Now although they get on streak, they immediately lose at least one. Sometimes you know two or three in a row, and that's not a help helping the stretch of the season. And I think we should transition to the All Star Game, Dallas. Now that's something I thought we were going to talk about very soon, and then a lot of rants and a couple of things kept us going, but. <laughs> All-Star Games coming up soon, the finalists announced, and there's a lot of good candidates for a lot of positions. I think some positions just aren't the same. Like, nationally, third base is not what it was five, six years ago when Eric Otto, Rendon, and a couple other guys were in Suarez were three of the top players in baseball all in the same position in the same league. But something like that, second base, better than it used to be. Yeah, definitely an upgrade, obviously, with the rise now and – you know, yeah, I mean, we're looking at a really good all-star game roster for both sides this year, which the all-star stars will also be announced tonight on ESPN at 7 o'clock. So. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited to see who gets in. Um, and, you know, a lot of these are some tough choices. You were talking about National League second base. I I think Arise gets that one for sure, but Albies – it stinks for him that he's going against the rise because he's had a solid season himself. Um, Arcia for the Braves has kind of gone under the radar a bit. Him and Lindor going for shortstop. 
And, you know, Lindor in the New York spotlight has definitely felt his struggles, but I, I feel he definitely deserves to be in the All-Star game because he has had a lot of RBIs and has had some clutch hits down the stretch. But even guys with a little bit of a renaissance as well, like J.D. Martinez has had a great year for the Dodgers and underrated players like Lourdes Goriel and Michael Harris, who was struggling throughout the early part of the season, have a chance to get in for the outfield in the National League. They're going up against the best DH in baseball. <laughs> that is true. Who also will probably be pitching in the game. Yeah, I mean, that, I'd be surprised if he's not starting that game. Not fair. Who knows next year? I think McClanahan would start. You think so? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, the rules are yeah. strict. He can, he can get in that bat in the first and third innings and pitch in the ninth. True. There's no. They're not going to say no. He was taken out. <laughs> and who knows next year? Depending on what he decides or what the Angels decide, he could be pitching on the National League side. Depending on if he he goes to a team over there. Well, I, I think it makes a little bit of a difference in terms of the fact that now it's universal DH because now he could sign with anyone. Back, Back in the day, day he, he probably never would have went to the Angels because it probably only would have been a National League team first that would have picked him up. And I'm, and surprised, I'm surprised that, that it kind of did it because at that time it was when pitchers still hit. And obviously he still would have probably had to play a position on another day. Another day. But it, 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 it's more likely like that he went to the Angels because they had the ability to DH. But now he can go to the National League team too. Yeah, so every team. Every team's really open. Obviously, I'm sure he'd want to go to a team more built to be a contender, but he could really fit in anywhere and, and be the star and, and get a lot of playing time. Obviously, especially with, with the way he's playing, he definitely should get a lot of playing time no matter where he goes. But yeah, obviously, there's a lot of options for him now, especially having the career season that he's having. Yeah, and I mean, I'll say this. I wouldn't count out the Dodgers for him. I mean, obviously, we know L.A., big market there, Angels, Dodgers, but Dodgers, more face there, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, you name it. So I think that's a fit. But, again, will the Angels be contenders at the deadline or will they be at 500 or below? I think the Angels still have a chance to win the division. I think it's likely they win the division. Texas, the problem with Texas is they've had almost no injuries. All it takes is one of their big two starting pitchers because they haven't had any injuries. If one guy gets hurt, that could derail the entire team. Yes, they are able to find pieces year after year to keep going no matter who they lose. Obviously, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, the big two there on the pitching side. But Texas, without Jacob DeGrom, I think they're hanging on the edge the fact that no one's getting hurt. They have... Six, Six qualified hitters and three qualified pitchers. John Gray and Nathan Avaldi have been amazing. I don't think they keep it up the rest of the year. And there's one of the guys, guys in the offense, offense gets hurt. hurt. They, they don't have just one guy that's dominating. They've had everybody playing well. They have six guys in an OPS of 800 or higher. higher. But, but if, if one guy gets hurt, now you can pitch around somebody else. Now there's a hole in the lineup. And I don't think they have the depth on the roster to hold on. I th- if they don't, they don't add, add something, something I, think I think they should be given a lot more, cr- not critique, but no one should be as high up on them as they are right now. Oh, my God, they're, they're, they're six teams teams up, the second best team, team in the American league. league. If one thing goes wrong for Texas, you're not going to see them hold on. And I think LA is a better team than Houston. Mike, Mike Trout can, can still, still move. 
throughout the rest of the year, he's been underperforming for his own standards. I think Otani can have even better outings. And if he keeps this offense up, I would not be surprised if the Angels take the AL West. Yeah, we all knew that the Rangers would be a pretty solid team coming in, but there were a lot of questions with, you know, Jacob DeGrom's health and how long they'd be able to sustain the way they've been playing early on. And, and that conversation was ended before. The and I, I do agree with you, Andrew, that there comes a point where I, I feel like they could fall back down to earth a little bit. Um, I think they still, you know, could definitely hold on to the division, be a dangerous team, but there's just too many questions with them, I feel like. Um, and the Angels, there's plenty of questions with them too with for their lack of success in the past. But, you know, barring anything crazy, uh, if Otani and Trout and, you know, even the other guys like Drury can, can – you know, play the way they've been playing and kind of help lead this Angels team to a postseason berth. And I think if they get hot, I feel like they do have to get really hot at a certain point to maybe win the division. But they, they like I said before, are going to be a very dangerous team barring anything crazy that makes them fall off. I mean, their funny thing also, at least with the Angels, is that put them in the AL Central, for example, that the league leaders there. Because yeah, yeah. every team in the Central is under 500. The Guardians are leading that division at 39 and 40. Yeah, the Guardians would be kind of like almost tied, I guess, for the fifth place with the Red Sox, not even necessarily at the moment. Well, they wouldn't because they'd be playing, yeah. they'd be playing the AL East teams instead of the AL Central That's true, yeah. I'm sure they so would be Every AL Central team would be so much worse if they were in the East and vice versa. Boston would Boston would be leading that division. They would be at first, not just by the standings now, but they would be a huge. They would, they would be the outlier at that division, winning night in and night out. Yeah, I mean, and that obviously brings us to the fact of how terrible the Central is. So it's an atrocity. It really like the Mets is. Got to relocate. I think that's the word <laughs> that we did. Yes. Yeah, and I, it's honestly the perfect word to describe it, really. With with all due respect, I don't know if any, any, any of the teams in that division, no matter who wins that division, really deserves to get into the playoffs. Unless, you know, they obviously pick it up and kind of surprise us later on. But the Twins, who were, were hanging on, have now fallen off a bit further. I they, thought baseball they was the only can. sport where you at least had to be 500 to make the playoffs. You, you see, every year in basketball hockey, you see it maybe once every five years in football. It doesn't happen in baseball. The last time we had it, granted, again, shortened season, but the Houston Astros made the postseason at 29 and 30 in 2020. Again, again shortened season, obviously, only 60 game stretch, but still. And and they went on a pretty decent run, if I recall. Yeah, they, losing uh, to the they were one game one game away from the World Series again before losing at Tampa. That's that's kind of another example with the Phillies, obviously a little but the bit different with the years. The Astros could do. True. So it wasn't like they were really like a five hundred below five hundred team. They were expected to have a good year. Every, Every team, team in the Central, if they go if they win a game in the wild card series, that would be a shock because yeah. they'd be going up against. Well, we, 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 whoever the third best team is, that's what I'm saying. A wild card spot this year is not bad. Yeah, I mean, again, I do agree also that this is the first time that we could very well see a team be under 500 and win a division. 
which god that's just so sad <laughs> It really but is. it's because of the new rules. It's because we're only playing teams 13 times in your division instead of 18. In the in the past, that would never happen because there's so many games in this division yeah. that if you're, if you're even the, the best, best team in the worst division, you're still going to be playing other good teams more versus less. Yeah, I mean, just again, balanced schedule. Yeah, I mean that the Nationals wouldn't even be <laughs> in last yeah. place in that division, and that the A's would. Be like right alongside the the Royals. It would be, I believe, they would be fourth in that division of A. Yeah, they're two games behind the Royals. Oh, so they would be last, but yeah, it's wild. But other than really the Royals, I wouldn't quite count out any team to win that division just yet. Obviously, only late June, and the White Sox were in fourth or five and a half games out of the division. It's crazy to say the least, and it just really shows that. That's baseball. That's right, John. The Padres have a similar record to a lot of the teams in that division, which was kind of unexpected, and they wouldn't even quite be first, I don't believe. They'd kind of be hovering right around second or third place. Yeah, I mean, a mess. Nothing else you could say with That, along with some other things, the AL East division, and it's – definitely not been quite what we expected going in although that that's oftentimes the case but th- this year has been nothing like, like what all of us expect i feel like our expectations for central are never never exactly the high central, like, always, yeah, at least on the a yeah, I, it's more with the AL Central over the NL Central that I feel like it's kind of been expected because the last couple of years, it's been the division leader's been under 500. Like, I don't know how many years it's been stretching back now, but yeah, with, the, with the AL Central, you expect it more. The NL Central, no one expected it to be as open as it was. The AL Central was kind of, eh, everybody's in yeah, who's going to win? They're also like the division except with... The except the Royals. The Royals are so bad that they're not even in contention for that division. Can we talk about that? Sure. I didn't expect really anything better than, than what they've given us this season. Um, but yeah, that division in general with you know maybe the exception of the, the Guardians, but you look at it compared to other divisions and it doesn't quite have the same like firepower as far as you know superstars or or really solid put together teams are you know compared to the other ones obviously you know the Astros the Rays the Braves what we've seen the the Rangers is so far at least what we've seen from them the AL Central really doesn't quite have that Maybe you know the Guardians, but even they're they're not at like that same level really yeah, I mean, at all. They've got a lot of young talent, and they're just trying to harness it, I guess now. But it's sort of you have to build that team chemistry over a full one sixty two. But right now, it's kind of just a bag of trauma, to say the least. So with the All Star Game coming up, who, if there's one player that hasn't been talked about at all but should be in it. Who do you think it should be? Like, who do you think is going to take a reserve spot that kind of was maybe unexpected? That's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> I'm going with Blake Torres. He's right up there with the best second baseman in the American League in a lot of stat categories. 
and he hasn't really been because he hasn't had that good of a year, but he also has been productive. And this is a lead second base position in the American League. I think he deserves an all star in this spot. I think he can even be a starter, but he obviously honestly, and I would not be surprised. I have two guys at least for one for the AL, one for the NL. For the AL. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Aaron Hicks. I know. I know. I know he's been god off, at least with the Yankees. But since he's been to Baltimore, he's been nothing short of terrific for the O's. So I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe gets one there. And then for for the NL, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Kyber Ruiz is at the Nationals reserve catching spot, possibly. I mean, obviously, he's no, he's no Yogi Berra, but like. Yeah, it's hitting at a 230 clip, but for Washington, that's expected, to say the least. Yeah, and for me, I guess if I had to just throw this out there, I, I wouldn't quite say these are my guys but um, or guy, but Pete Alonso, despite the injury and his struggles recently, has been kind of up there with the home runs and you know RBI leaders and the All-Star game to some extent could be, you know, a bit of a popularity contest as well. And, you know, with, with his power and everything like that, I, I think he could get in. Um, I'm going to look at another Marlins guy too, possible. You know, he's, he's mainly a DH, so it's tough with, you know, both um, Martinez and Harper being there. But Ray Solaire, we saw what he did with the Braves, and he, he's putting up some pretty good numbers with the Marlins as well. Honestly, yeah, I can't really think of it. Mike Mustakis, I think, yeah, or Yeah, I mean, besides the obvious one, Sal Perez, but yeah, yeah, and then it's tough to say for me for the AL. I, I think, honestly, a, a pretty good player from the AL East is what I'll say. Someone on the the Rays or Orioles. That could get in. I, I also, like you were saying, Andrew, look at maybe a few Yankee guys on pos possibly getting there, but it, it's kind of tough for me for the AL right now. But the NL, the, those are kind of my guys. I think this was a perfect first episode. We are right halfway through the NLB season. A lot to break down. And the perfect balance of the whole season coming together. And I think we got we covered a lot of points, and we hope that. Uh, our, our future episode is kind of what we kind of showed today, just kind of where we things. Obviously, for New York, they showed Yankees and Mets fans. We're going to talk a lot about, but we wanted to talk everything and everything. Yeah, all things MLB 247365. Yeah, 100%. There was a lot to cover today, kind of getting to the All Star break, but it, uh, thank you guys for, for letting me be a part of this. And yeah, it was a good show. We're definitely excited to have you back on again soon. Ryan Bosch, who's one of our other co hosts, should be. Back all of us. And I think it'll be really good when it's the four of us because then it'll be really, really even in the match. Yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> well, because here's money. Yeah. Don't blame us. That we're $224 million team can't buy it in. <laughs> I got the hat with the New York symbol in, or the Yankee symbol in the New York hat because I think that's all that's representing right now. Yeah, well, uh, you got a perfect game. I wouldn't, you, you, guys, you guys are not in the most fruitful season either. I'm better than I take yours over hours, obviously. But. Yeah, 
We'll, we'll see how things are next week. <laughs> and so, and so that will do it from us here today for our first episode here on Medium Preview for Anthony Hines and Bernie Campbell. I'm Andrew Schultz. You can listen to the Sotomayor Baseball Podcast here on the Wave and Medium Preview Sports Network.